Oak City Move is a podcast on 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people creating positive change in the triangle and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Monday from 5 to 7 p.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to our blog at blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. You're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. Today, I'm here with Jamana Medlish, uh, an artist that is based in London that is the artist in residency here at NC State this week. Hey, Jamana. Hi, Sarah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what your art is like. Okay, so I'm originally from Lebanon. Uh, I grew up in Beirut, and I studied there. I studied graphic design. Um, but then at some point while I was working, um, I was invited by a master calligrapher to work with him as his assistant. He needed help and he knew that I was very um, um, precise in the way I worked. And I worked with him for several years and it kind of changed my life because suddenly I found myself wanting to uh, do calligraphy as a living. And when I moved, in Lon- I moved to London in 2013, I went full time in that direction. I dropped everything else. Um, so what I do, um, I call it, well, it's calligraphy, if you like, I call it more abstract art nowadays, because I, what I do is I'm using a very old style of Arabic calligraphy called Kufi, which is very geometric. And I'm using, I'm using it in very abstract ways, uh, so that you can't read it really. So basically I'm using this art as, um, as a structure to create abstract patterns and Mm -hmm. designs. And that is really what I do. Yeah, because we actually looked at some of these in our Arabic class and for traditional uh, people that were trained in traditional, you know, modern certain Arabic, when they look at it, it's very hard for them to pull out yeah, the letters. It, absolutely. I mean, it's not at all meant to be read. Um, if people, you know, amuse themselves trying to decipher them, that's fine. But um, they are meant to really um, impact anybody, regardless of whether you even know it's calligraphy. Uh, the words are there, but they're hidden in plain sight. And mm-hmm. that's what I work with. And sometimes I really make it very hard because I don't want people to look at it as text. I want them to really be impacted by the image. And so what inspired that sort of style? Because that isn't super common with Arabic calligraphy. Um, you know, the the modern depiction of it is usually like on mosques and like religious texts and things like that. And those are very different from the kind of work you do. Yes. Uh, you know, the Kufi style has been forgotten. It It really has been out of sight for about a thousand years. I mean, you see it on architecture, but nobody has been practicing it in a, in a living way for really a very long time. Um, my teacher, um, so this, this master I worked with, he kind of brought it back and he's very well known for it. Uh, and I took it up from there and I went very, very much further. So even though it looks completely new and different, this is actually the original tradition of Arabic calligraphy, which has been completely forgotten for a very, very long time. And so within that, why would did you choose to do it in Arabic? I know because there's the history with the Kufi style and things like that, but does the Arabic language have um, a significance to you personally or to your art in general? Well, it's the, the script, the Arabic script is very unique. Um, in its structure. I mean, what I'm doing with it cannot be done with any other script. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if I wanted to, say, use Latin, the Latin alphabet, I, I couldn't because it's just not structured the same. And it's, um, it's a bit curious. It's hard to put my finger on what it is about it, 
But when you work with it and you can manipulate the letters in certain ways, certain ways without um, losing their essence, um, I can't do that with anything else. And mm-hmm. that is the, the special quality about it. I can't really define it, but I know that no other script has it. And that's, that's really why I'm, I'm working with that. And so what has the response been to your art from both, you know, more modernist uh, perspectives of art and then the more traditional, um, you know, people that are coming like from areas such as the, the, the master that you work with, master of calligraphy and people that are more in traditional, into traditional Arabic text? Um, I haven't heard much from very traditional people. <laughs> I don't think they would like it very much. <laughs> I think the, the, the first response is, but I can't read it, which is not really relevant to me at yeah. all um but i haven't really addressed my art to traditional people so i'm not really sure mm-hmm. what the response would be uh, modernist you know i mean even people who have nothing to do with arabic culture they really do like it yeah um i don't know about art circles in terms of modern art because they i don't i don't really know what they like but generally i get a very good response for what i do and so what brought you to NC State? Well, I got invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was interesting because I am... Um, so I was invited by Dr. Cater of the Hayrala Center. Uh, but how we, he found me is that his, his daughter was following my art mm-hmm. online for yeah. a while. And, um, and then she kind of nudged him. And <laughs> this is how it happened. So it was, it was quite an interesting story. Because there is one piece that you did that was commissioned by the Khairala Center for NC State, correct? Yes, uh, just about the time when we were talking about this mm-hmm. residency, this piece was commissioned for me. And so what was that piece based on? Okay, so the, the what they wanted was a piece about the Lebanese diaspora. Mm-hmm. And so we thought about doing the word diaspora. Um, and so we looked at, you know, how that would look because not all words are very photogenic, if you like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then in the end, I, you know, I suggested, well, why don't we just do the word Lebanon, Lebanon, but the shape of it would suggest the diaspora. And that's what we did in the end. So it is, it, it is just the word Lebanon. But if you look at the design, the design suggests going to all corners of the globe. And that is the essence of diaspora. So we, there was no need to put the word in there because the design expresses that. Awesome. And so... In general, when you go to start a new piece of art, particularly the ones that include Arabic text, what is the process like for you in terms of, you know, choosing the words, choosing how they're going to fit together and things like that? Right. So um, generally, I don't choose the words. The words choose me. They kind of, I get a word in my head and I, either because it, um, it speaks to something I'm going through or it's just really kind of gets stuck in my head. I want to work with it. Um, and I will first start by sketching it. And I sketch it in a few kind of conventional styles of Kufi until I find one where I can see a pattern. Because what I do usually, I repeat a word or the design of a word or I, I rotate it until I can get a very interesting shape, a mandala or, or a pattern. So I sketch it in various ways until I can find the pattern. And then from there, I develop that. And then I take it to actually making it. And so what materials do you use? Is it mainly, you know, um, like sketching and coloring or do you use like multimedia or like what, what kind of materials do you use mainly in your um, art? I have a lot. I have a very big range of materials. Um, very often, I mean, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of paper cutting. And what mm-hmm. I do is I will take big sheets of paper and I will paint them with... Um, acrylic is, is quite a, a good one. But 
watercolor also i really love it depends on the effect i want mm-hmm. it is the color uh, very often now i also use natural pigments so you know rocks that i grind myself and that's again another area um and i'll paint these papers and then i will cut the designs out of it so this way i can get a really nice handmade texture not flat but i can get very crisp edges which i really love uh so that's a technique i'm using a lot at the moment uh and so i paint i work on paper uh, my large pieces are often made on wood because then you don't have to frame them and i like the immediacy of that mm. uh i've done one on aluminum which looks really nice so it's a very interesting material um and i'm doing uh, for some commissions i'm doing some digital pieces that are are then printed because they're really cool. a mix of photographic with uh, with calligraphy nice and then so going back to what you're talking about when you were talking about the piece that was commissioned by the Khairallah center mm-hmm. so the idea was um based around the the idea of the center which is Le- Lebanese diaspora mm-hmm. and then being someone that is originally from Lebanon living in a westernized country what are sort of the what is your experience i guess as being part of the Le- Lebanese diaspora it's funny but i haven't really thought of myself of, <laughs> <laughs> as being part of the diaspora it's like oh yeah right um It's good. I mean, I'm I'm much happier living outside Lebanon than I was living there. Yeah. Much much better. I couldn't do my art properly there because there are all sorts of considerations that come up, you know, religious, political, and you know, I'm an artist. I don't want to be limited by that. I don't mm-hmm. want to be censored and I don't want to be in trouble because of it. Definitely. You know, the nice thing in London is that I can say anything I like and if I want to make a commentary on society or religion, which I don't really do, but if I wanted to, nobody would uh, would arrest me. Well, that's always a plus. <laughs> yeah. Was that a problem that you faced um when because I when did you start um you know because obviously you started the Kufi inspired art once you were working under that master but just your art in general like when did that start for you and what were the you know what was the backlash I guess or like the response to it sort of living in Lebanon? Well, I was always a creative so since Uh, since I left since I finished high school I was always doing something creative and I studied graphic design and I was doing illustration animation children's books comic books I have a very interesting comic Lebanese comic book the Lebanese superheroine which Ooh, um, nice. is, <laughs> it's worth reading <laughs> um and the main thing was that there is no appreciation for art or creativity in Lebanon at all I mean the, it's not taken seriously Uh, they don't think it's a job. I mean, somebody saw me drawing once and they asked if I was a kindergarten teacher because, you know, why else would you draw? <laughs> you um, very, you know, patronizing attitude and also absolutely no resources. I mean, funding, for, you don't even think about it. It's yeah. a complete fantasy. There's no art museum. They're talking about building one. Well, we're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. know, we're 2017, there is no art museum other than some private you know but no modern art museum it's, it's ridiculous um there's no art education in schools i mean it's just not a good environment and whereas any time i went to europe especially london even for a few days i was like bathing in creativity <sighs> i mean everybody's in a coffee shop doing music doing you know sketching it's like wow you know this is where i belong yeah. you know it's a completely different place to be And I think that attitude is pretty common across the Middle East. It's not like specifically in Lebanon. Oh, I think Lebanon is better than the rest of the Middle yeah. East, which is not saying much. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think that attitude is so prevalent within the Middle East? I think we just never got to that point of civilization, to be mm-hmm. honest. It's just we're a few centuries behind. 
that's uh, in many ways, not just in the arts. Yeah, <laughs> so there's, many ways. there's definitely a lot to be said about the Middle East, having lived there as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, art was kind of taken as a joke, you know, and in, in like in high school, you know, it was kind of like this class you would go and like mess around and not really actually learn art technique. Mm. And there were some kids that were really, really talented, but they weren't able to, you know, hone that talent and like learn the craft. Yeah, I mean, that's how there is a very vibrant art scene, but this is just because these people are so motivated to do their art that they are doing it on their own. They're getting the means to do it on their own. They're doing it without any help. So you have all the people you see are extremely motivated people, but there's no support for for other than that. Yeah, there's all. not a lot of resources. And, and, and nobody's supporting them. Yeah, it's really themselves exactly. and their audience. And so in London, what kind of work do you do? Like, are you more of a freelancer or do you, you know, have your own gallery? Like what, what is, what does that situation look like for you? So I'm a free, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a full-time artist, which means I create work in my studio. Uh, I'm, I'm not working with a gallery, so I try to sell it via my website or directly. I do some small events. Um, I have an Etsy shop where I sell smaller things, but I also do a lot of side jobs um, that are related. So I teach I teach Kufi at okay. the Arab British Center um, and I do other workshops on demand. Um, I've done consultancy jobs for, you know, um, someone who, who sells antiques and wanted me to look at the Arabic inscriptions yeah. and write about, you know, th various things like that around mm -hmm. that theme and, you know, commissions, art commissions. Yeah. And so going on with the like sort of teaching aspect are the kinds of people you're teaching, do they have any background with Arabic or are they usually people that just, you know, see the art, really like it and want to learn? Oh, it's it's really it's really um, fun to me to see who comes because my, my students are so random. So you'll have so very few Arabs, like maybe there's one token Arab <laughs> class, but you have a lot. I mean, in London, there is a very big um, South Asian community mm -hmm. um, and uh, of Islamic background, so they love working with Arabic, even if they don't speak it. They they usually can just read it. Mm -hmm. um, I get a lot of Europeans because they're they're just like it as an art, and they're interested um, whether they are learning Arabic as a language or not. Um, and I get all sorts of random people. You know, I have doctors, accountants, lawyers, bankers. <laughs> you know, not even people who do art, but they're just curious, and and they turn up, and it's it's so much fun. Do you ever get any sort of odd questions either like about, you know, why Arabic or like being having art just as your main profession? No, funnily enough, in London, these kind of questions really don't come up. People just take it in stride. They're like, yeah, of course you're an artist. <laughs> why wouldn't you be a full time artist? That's great. Where's your studio? You know, <laughs> it's like that. And why Arabic? I, I don't get that question because I teach at the Arab British Center. Yeah, so, so it makes sense. Well, I'm glad that you have a good experience <laughs> over there. And so when teaching, what, like, because obviously you have that Arabic background. So when it comes to choosing words and knowing how they fit together and developing those patterns, you already have some sort of insight into that. Mm -hmm. So when teaching your students, how do you approach it? Okay, so what I, um, the class I developed, uh, I, I built it from scratch. I tried to put into a structured syllabus what I had learned by working with my teacher, who never mm -hmm. actually taught me anything. We just, yeah. I just learned by working with them intensely. Mm -hmm. um, so I teach them creative kufi. Okay. We don't go very traditional because I want them to leave that class and be able to create something of their own. The problem with Arabic calligraphy, the way it's taught traditionally, 
is that it's very certain way you do things this way. You have to practice for months to get it right. And unless you really study it for years and become a master, you cannot ever do th- something creative with it. You will be stuck with just what you learned in class. Yeah. And this is frustrating. I mean, who wants to do that? These people, they, they want a creative hobby. So we, I do it as a design class. We learn the anatomy of the letters. That's the really most important thing. And, how, and the various rules of Kufi, how you can change the letters. So I tell them, I don't tell them this letter is this shape, this proportion. I tell them, this is what you can do with this letter. Mm-hmm. So we learn how to manipulate them um, and various ways of composing with that. And then there's a final project where they pick a word or a sentence and they design their own thing. And I just help them adjust things, but yeah. they do their own thing. And in the end, you get 10 completely different final pieces that we paint in class and they yeah. go home with a finished piece. It's really exciting for everybody. That's so cool. And then while you're here at NC State, in addition to teaching some workshops, you're going to be giving sort of a discussion type talk mm-hmm. at the Khairala, uh, at the Craft Center, actually, yes. um, like through the Khairala Center on Thursday, correct? Mm-hmm. So what is the topic on that and like what's, what's sort of going to be discussed there? So the topic is art in times of crisis. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Heavy stuff. <laughs> it just came to mind immediately when they asked me to give a talk. Um, and it's going to be about... Um, well, what kind of responses can artists give? Mm-hmm. You know, how can art respond to 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 difficult times, whatever they may be? Um, so I'm gonna use a few examples, um, and I'm gonna talk about my because they also want me to talk about my work. So I'm gonna have to segue slip, into that, segue my work into that somehow, um, and we'll have a discussion because. It is. It is quite a big topic. I mean, oh, it yeah. could be. It could be a whole major. To be oh, honest. Oh, honestly, yeah. It so could be. I'm go- just gonna try to give a few leads, and then we can talk about. There's it. actually, I'm pretty sure, a class that they teach here at State. It's like um, political art history or something along those lines. But it's definitely a very right. heavy subject, and two, depending on where you're looking in the world. Right. But see, political art is just one response, mm-hmm. and I want to. I want to emphasize the fact that there are other ways of. of There's other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to close off, what would your advice be to someone who wants to do art, whether or not it's, you know, your Kufism or like traditional art or any sort of creative outlet in general, what would your advice be to them? That's a very broad question. <laughs> <laughs> what my, my advice would be? Um, well, you, you need to really love it. Okay. it you know, if, you, if you're not really passionate about about making art, um, it's going to be very difficult because it's very difficult anyway. So you need to really be motivated by a deep passion that comes from within. Don't do it just because you think it's a good idea. That's not going to be a good ending. Yeah. And so if people want to check out your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, my, I have a website where you can see all of my work and it's majnouna.com, M-A-J-N-O-U-N-A.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.